This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly and hopefully prepare us to sleep. Tell us all about sleep divorce, Elizabeth. Sleep divorce is when you do not sleep in the same bed with your partner. It's very interesting. And I read an article about this that got me thinking so much about it and, of course, relating to the current situation in our house. Okay, so... You and Ian are now back, I presume, sleeping in the same bed because you live in the same house. Trying so hard to do it. And we'll get to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do not sleep in the same bed with Jay. If you can hear, of course, Gracie comes up here and tries to jingle jangle. Gracie, can you lay down? Honest to goodness, my dog. She's another person that prevents me from sleeping around this house. We're going to be talking about dogs. That's coming. That's coming. So Jay and I have not slept in the same bed in uh, now almost eight months. And that is because we have a baby. Right. So we've got little Heathcliff and Heathcliff is still up. Now on a good night, he's only up one time a night, which that usually happens maybe like a couple times a week. The rest of it, it's multiple times a night. And it is the idea of sleeping with someone else who might potentially wake me up causes me full anxiety. Yep. And then Jay also doesn't want to be woken up by the baby because why would he want to be woken up by a baby if he doesn't have to be woken up by the baby? Which for everybody so, who might be judging that, you are breastfeeding, so there's not yeah. a lot that Jay can do. No. So it's there's kind nothing of pointless for him, for him to get woken up, no, which is a hard thing when you're the woman that's breastfeeding and you're the one that the only one that can be woken up. 100%. Yeah. It's fully irritating, but yeah. that's the life that we're living. So 8 months though. You know, Eight months of not sleeping in the same bed. And um, that's here's a the little secret about this. I think it's great. Ooh. I really <laughs> like sleeping by myself. And so it's interesting because we in our culture really uh, associate sleeping together with intimacy, whether it comes to physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, and then, of course, sexual intimacy. But the right. argument can be made That actually sleeping together, if it is not a peaceful experience for both partners, can actually lead to a lack of intimacy in your relationship because so much resentment can build up. And so here we are at the place that nobody wants to admit and nobody wants to talk about the sleep divorce. And I think if I told Jay that I like it better 
when we're not sleeping in the same room, it might hurt his feelings. And so I, I'm telling you guys instead. Yes. <laughs> so I'm telling many thousands of you instead. Instead. But, but, but this is the thing. I mean, on Instagram yesterday, Kelly and Ryan were doing a piece about sleep divorce. Oh, they were. They were, which was really interesting because apparently Kelly's husband is coming back from wherever he's shooting his series, so they have to sleep together, or they will mm-hmm. be sleeping together again, and he snores. Yeah. And so they were talking, they had an expert on who was saying, the research is in that you do, no surprise here, you do get a better night's sleep if you sleep alone. Right. That's the research. And if there's any extenuating circumstances, of course you're going to get a better night's sleep. Now, what... I think it's what is hard to admit. And I, Ian and I have been on and off apart for about six or seven years. Yeah. Because he would move somewhere, I would catch up with him, then he would move somewhere, then I would catch up with him. So I've had long stretches of sleeping alone. Here's what I like when I sleep alone. Honestly, this is what I like when I sleep alone. I like clean sheets. Yeah. I like no animals in bed with me. No TV in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I do lavender spray every night on my pillowcase. And I have Wonderful. a beautiful comforter. And it's quiet and very, very dark. And nobody's getting up and down and up and down. These are good things. That makes me relax just hearing about your sleep environment. He, here's what I have now. Oh, gosh. That I have moved in with the husband that I love very much. I know. We love it. We, we Garrett, we love them. I love have, them. I have dirty sheets. Oh, no. A dog who had a stroke last Sunday, who is 16 years old, who sleeps with us because he's, as Ian says, he's a pack dog. He needs to be with us. (laughs) And for some reason, the dog, who's 16 and very sweet, and I want his last days to be very nice, he likes me. (laughs) He likes my heat. So he's always on top of me. No. And he farts. So not only do I not have clean sheets, I have a smelly room, not lavender spray. I've exchanged lavender spray for farts. For for dog gas. Yes. It's horrible. And then on top of that, I have lost the beautiful comforter because we have a utilitarian gray comforter now because the dog sleeps with us. So why would we have anything but the most boring comforter that I can throw in the wash? It's no longer quiet. The dog snores. Ian's very quiet. So really what I've gained is a husband that I love very, very much who is trying very much to protect me from this environment. So when the dog's agitated or is having these mini seizures or all of the things Mm. that the dog's going through, Ian will get up and take care of it. Not even a question. Like Jack, our dog, is Heathcliff. That's Ian's deal. So he gets up and he takes care of him and he does it. And he's trying really, really hard but sleep is not good. And so and it's yeah, it's difficult. But when we, you're not getting good sleep, it's hard to be your best at your nest. It is hard, but at the same time for me, I've wanted so much for us to be back together that I very much want to stay in the same bedroom. Oh, and by the way, there's a TV in our bedroom now. Okay. But I so for me it's really important to try and stay in the same bed because for so long we were not. But I think, too, in the admission of, do I get better sleep when I was alone with my lavender spray and my clean sheets? Absolutely. Yeah. So I read this article on Vox.com, and it talks about a book that's out called Sharing the Covers, Every Couple's Guide to Better Sleep by a PhD holding woman named Wendy M. Troxell. 
And the author interviews her, and it's really interesting what she says. There are a couple of things here. Number one, there's what works for you in your relationship. Right. But then there's also what we've culturally been told about sleeping with our significant other. And it hasn't always been the way that it is. So Wendy talks about how in medieval times, the norm was a communal bed that in a family, you would sleep in the same bed. You'd have family members, maybe even other people in the household, sleeping in one bed. That's a nightmare. But you know they were doing that just to stay warm. Just to stay warm. It wasn't until the Victorian era that sleeping apart became a status thing because then, of course, what, Marjorie? You could afford separate bedrooms. And then it it was very fancy to sleep apart. Think about the royal family. You think Philip and Elizabeth, before he passed away, ever slept in the same bed? No. They did not. They have massive (laughs) suites to themselves. And it was like a a hollow goodnight deer from the 20-foot ceilinged domed room on the other side. There were also some ideas about diseases being transmitted by the foul gas that came from other people. Oh, great. People actually thought back then that your partner's morning breath could transmit diseases. I still believe that. (laughs) It became really important for people to try to elevate their lives to the point where they didn't sleep together. Then you fast forward to the 1960s. You have this visceral reaction to the I Love Lucy stereotype of a married couple sleeping apart on TV. That was then seen afterwards in the 60s as a sign of prudishness. So we saw this shift towards this stigma attached to sleeping apart, which is still with us today. And so she says that couples then who, who decide to sleep apart feel like ashamed because culturally they're told now that they apparently are not intimate or close because they choose to sleep in separate beds. I do think there's a lot of shame in admitting that. And I think just even internally, like, I think there's a certain amount of fear yeah, with married couples. Yeah, I on a podcast. Pardon me? I just whispered it on the podcast. <laughs> like, I had to whisper it. But I think there's fear of if we if we really don't sleep together anymore – Will we be less intimate? Will we be less close than we would if we slept together? And I, without the dog, I actually really like sleeping with my husband. Mm-hmm. It's just the dog is really the, the the hardest part for me. But I also understand why Ian is saying, look, can't he should, can he, we should. He's old. And you want to make sure that he's happy in his last but with my luck, this dog's going to live another four years. And that sounds horrible. That could happen. But it's like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> I know. It's a long time. And what happens is this author says that when you're sleep deprived, your frustration tolerance is lower. Oh, gosh. And who course. are we most likely to project our frustrations on? Not our bosses or our coworkers, but our closest partners. Obviously, that's what we talk right. about here on this podcast. Right. And that is why she says that when researchers look at relationship satisfaction, that sleep disturbances are a huge indicator of poor relationship satisfaction. Insufficient sleep makes us less empathetic people, meaning we're less able to read our partner's emotions, and that's a huge thing in a relationship. Hmm. And not sleeping makes that very difficult. So when you think about the idea of the trade-off, okay, so say you're in a situation where either one of you or both of you doesn't sleep that well, 
when you're sleeping in the same bed and you do have the space to sleep in separate beds. Okay. So that's obviously, you got to have that luxury there. You have to have another space for that person to go. But if you're in a situation where you have the space, but you're sleeping together only because society tells you that your relationship isn't good enough or close enough or intimate enough if you're not sleeping together, but that comes at the cost of good quality sleep. So you're crabby, you're frustrated, and you're not empathetic. Like you tell me what's going on in the relationship. Like I would say sleep in separate beds, like cuddle on the couch while you're watching a movie together, have sex at any time of day. I mean, (laughs) I don't know who, how many like parents are climbing into bed after a long day and just being like, well, now's the time that we're really going to rev it up anyway. Like, you know, it it, it depends on the time you are in your life. Yeah, that's really true. And I, I think that's delusional. And I don't know about anybody else's sex life. I know for me, <laughs> when we were working really hard, that idea of every night was this great romp because that <laughs> when we turned off the lights and we were in bed together, suddenly like everything went crazy. No, you're yeah. tired. You're tired. But, but, but let me ask you, and you can answer this or not answer this. You've been doing this for eight months. Yeah. When Heathcliff graduates from your bed, which he will, like your mm-hmm. other children did, will you guys keep separate bedrooms? I don't think so, but I think maybe occasionally. So here's kind of my thought. And Jay said to me, you know, he said to me like a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I got to get back in our bed. Our bed is more comfortable than the guest right. bed. Right. I, I got to get back in our bed. And I said, fine, you come back whenever you want. But Heathcliff still wakes up. So that means he wakes up. Right. I get up. I bring him in bed. I nurse him. And then I put him back. And then sometimes if he's like having a hard time falling back asleep, I just don't mess around with it. And then he's in bed. Now, keep in mind. So we have we have like a little sunroom off of our bedroom. Right. That is the baby's nursery. So it's like a cool old house. And it's really fun to have like a we've got this other room. So that's why. He's not in our room, but he's kind it's of in perfect. our room. I mean, there are doors right. that close. So, and then Jay was like, ah, okay, I don't want to be woken up. By no, Heathcliff. no. You know, so we're having the conversation. And that's, that is one piece that this Wendy Troxel, this writer, talks about that starting a conversation about how you're sleeping, what are your expectations, and how are you feeling and being honest about it is really important. So that's a I think hard- we're kind of doing like the revisiting the baby thing makes it easy to talk about because I don't have to personally say like when you personally say like you're a terrible person to sleep with that probably doesn't feel good for the other person right I mean you have a natural out right now (laughs) with with Heathcliff which you're taking advantage of which I totally admire I do think it's a harder conversation to have when there's nothing but the two of you there's no dog. There's no, like, I could have the conversation with Ian right now pretty easily and say, look, I totally get that Jack deserves to be next to you for as long as he lives. Right. Those two are soulmates. They, they're they actually starting to look alike. <laughs> Ian, Ian has a writing outfit, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he wears a black Lacoste shirt and white Brooks Brothers boxers, and that's what he writes in. And that's what he's been wearing through most of COVID. (laughs) Jack is a black and white Boston Terrier. They look alike. (laughs) So I appreciate. I can't breathe. (laughs) I appreciate that they've melded. 
I appreciate that they're soulmates. I see it. I just it. got this vision of this like eccentric writer and his twin dog. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I get all that. So I could have the conversation, I think, with the aunt and say, look, for the remainder of Jack's life, let's just, I'll sleep in the guest room. Yeah. It's actually the better mattress anyway. And I'll get my lavender spray. I'll get my lavender spray. I've got a nice velvet comforter up here. Yeah. It's cozy. Yeah. It's nice. I've got good sheets. I love you. We'll we'll figure out the other stuff. I'll come down in the morning. We'll have a little cuddle. It'll be great. Yeah. I could have that conversation, I think, without hurting his feelings. If going forward, I said that we know our dog is going to die, so I don't mean to sound cold, but when Jack passes, right, that would be a harder conversation to have. And I think it would be for anybody. I mean, this idea of two rooms, hey, I really love you, but I just... I want to be off by myself at night. And and I think that's wrong. I think I think I think it's absolutely wrong that that should be a point of being hurt or not being hurt. We ought to get good sleep. Cuz we have all, to get good sleep. All the stuff that you talked about is exactly true. I'm when I don't get a good night's sleep and I'm a 9-hour person. <laughs> I don't I'm cranky and I never yeah. thought of myself as less empathetic, but of course you would be. And you and are. that idea of not being able to read signals and signs, which are crucial to a happy day. Yes, when I'm tired, I don't read them as well. Hundred percent. It's totally true. And yeah. sleep is sleep is a huge indicator in terms of good health, yeah. um, happiness, wellness, all of these things. Uh, Wendy Troxell, the writer of this book, says um, that she tells couples all the time that you can disentangle the experience of cuddling and closeness and sexual activity from the actual experience of sleeping together. And that here's the other thing. Getting better sleep is actually likely to be a good path to getting better sex. Because when you're well-rested, you enjoy it more. Frequency goes up and sex drive goes up. So there are lots of relationship benefits to be had from prioritizing sleep, which kind of makes me think about like how to have that conversation. And instead of going... There's always like a nicer way to say things um, right. instead of going like, <laughs> you there? snore, <laughs> you snore, and I hate sleeping with you. Right. Um, you could right. instead say, hey, you know what? I was reading about how important sleep is to X, Y, and Z health benefits. How do you feel like you're sleeping? Oh, that's okay. And kind of have that conversation yeah. and open the conversation by asking questions about the other person. How do you feel like you're sleeping? I mean, listen, Marjorie, I'm not a therapist. I'm just playing one on the podcast right now, but I'm just telling you this is what I I'm liking do. this. I'm liking this though Thank too. You. I like this idea yes. of role playing the conversation and figuring right. out a way to say it so that it's nice. That's so a that breakthrough. You just don't sound like a big a-hole. I mean, that's the whole thing. And so saying how do you feel like you're sleeping? And then your partner might have things that they haven't said to you about yeah. you not being a great person to yeah. sleep with. And you might hit a point where you say, hey, maybe maybe we try out like Monday night. Let's try to start the week with one good really night of sleep where we sleep. I'll, I'll go and sleep in the guest room. Right. And then, and then see how it goes. And then maybe on the weekends you sleep together. I don't necessarily think it needs to be an all or nothing situation. No. But I do know that when you are woken up by someone repeatedly, and there is a definitely a shift that happens, I think, particularly for women in heterosexual relationships, after you've had a baby, your sleep goes from 
Um, oh, you could just... probably sleep like a rock to you will wake up if there is a mouse like yeah. nibbling on a piece of cheese in the corner of your, yeah, of your house. You just wake up. And so I'm so much more sensitive since having kids to any movement or noise or anything like that. And I don't think the feeling of waking, being woken up by someone and looking at them with rage and wanting to put a pillow over their head to please God make it stop so I can go back to sleep. <laughs> like, I don't think that's healthy for a relationship. I don't think it's good well, for a relationship. And it certainly makes you more tired. And guess what you never want to do when you're tired? Have sex. Here, there you go. Yeah, and I, I that idea of, I remember when I was doing the morning show and I would get up at 5.30, my husband was getting up at 4. Sleep became this like, I mean, this sort of manic pursuit. Like, I was, like, crazed about it. We had so many different beds all over our house, Elizabeth, so that at any moment someone could sleep somewhere somehow. Yeah. Because it was just – it becomes, like, this obsession. One, because it affects your relationship. And then for me, but I think it's true for anybody who's working, if I didn't get a good night's sleep and I had to go on the air – it was really hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. I can remember like nights where I wouldn't get a good night's sleep where literally during a commercial break, I would put my head down on my desk and I would hear the producer in my ear, Marjorie, <laughs> Marjorie, <laughs> wake up. Polly would hear the thud yeah, and the then thud. it was, okay, or the come snoring. on. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, here's a way to approach that too. The idea of separate bedrooms. What man wouldn't appreciate if... You, if a woman said, look, if I get sleep, sex will probably be more frequent. Yeah. It'll probably be better. And if you made your sleeping quarters just the nicest, sexiest place to be. For sure. I mean, what guy wouldn't be like, okay, I get to sleep with her maybe three nights a week. Yeah. But those nights will probably have sex and it's going to be great and her sheets are better than mine. I mean, who wouldn't want that deal? I mean, I think if you approach it, I don't mean to use sex as a bargaining chip. I'm definitely not a therapist. That seems unhealthy from the get-go. I don't know. But at some point, I do think that needs to be mentioned as a part of the benefits, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily know that saying that this is a benefit is the same as a bargain. It's just the truth. It's just saying, here's what research says that all of these things are better if people are getting better sleep. How can we get better sleep? And, you know, and maybe for some people it's as simple as going like, I'm going to wear earplugs and I can tolerate them. Or we get a better sound machine. Or you promise to be really, really quiet when you're coming into bed, you know? That never works, though. I don't know. That never – the in and out of bed. I mean, my husband has trouble sleeping and so he's up and down. And he's so careful. But, I mean, I guess sometimes I don't hear it. But it's, it's, again, it's something. It's just something. There was, when I was watching that piece on Instagram with uh, Kelly and Ryan, they were talking about, the expert was talking about, I think she called it the Scandinavian method. Yeah. Which is two twin beds. Oh. That you put two twin beds together as a king, because it's the same size as a king. And you each have sort of your separate sheets, because that takes care of the does someone yank all the sheets away in the middle of the night? Sure. So you each have your own set of sheets and then you put like a king comforter over all of that. And I actually think there's a lot of wisdom in that because that would mitigate some of the problems. The getting up and down, 
wouldn't wouldn't mm. probably affect no. the other sleeper as much because you're snoring not snoring isn't going to help though. It's not going to help snoring. Like I said, it might help some of the problems. And I think too, if you moved the beds maybe three inches apart. <laughs> Well, then what's good? What, are you going to roll over and then fall through the crack, Marjorie? I mean, what in the hell are we talking about here? This I don't know. But I, I don't understand this idea of these two twin beds you don't? together. No, because I think the whole point, like, then just have your own blankets. Well, you have your that. own comforters on the bed. You don't have to get two twin beds to do that. Just have your king bed and have two. I mean, my whole problem is being in the same room with someone else who is sleeping. <laughs> so it's bigger than the bed. It's bigger, it than, the bigger bed. than the bed. And let me just say this too. Oh, when you think like, oh, you get married or you don't get married, whatever, you get in a relationship right. with someone and you decide to live in the same space with them and you decide to like have this romantic relationship with them and sleep in a bed with them. I've lived with many people that I haven't shared a bedroom with. Yep. I was never, never in any relationship in my life was I asked to share a bed with someone. I mean, I, I barely even ever had to share a room. Like, I had my own room when I was a kid for most of it. I had my own room in college for most of it. I, I shared a room with Tanya for a couple semesters when it we were in our weird. sorority house. It's very bizarre to me. Yeah. But then you are either like, you decide I'm going to move in with this person or I'm going to get married to this person or both or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're supposed to just like say, oh, now I'm a person who sleeps in the same bed with someone else when I've never done this at any other point in my life. And I'm supposed to like it. And I'm supposed to like it? And I'm supposed to sleep well and be better? Like, none of this makes sense to me. No. And I think, but I think it goes back to that shame piece. There, There is a lot of shame associated with separate bedrooms because people will judge your relationship. It's so weird. We have such a bizarre sense of what we judge as being prudish or not prudish in this country. Yeah. It is shocking to me that the idea of saying like, well, my husband and I don't sleep in the same bedroom, that that evokes some like visceral, like, oh, you're not having enough sex in your marriage reaction from people. But if I'm like out on the street breastfeeding my baby and my boob shows, people have lost their ever loving minds. (laughs) Like we, this is completely backwards. And I didn't expect that I was going to get this rage filled about sleep. But now we know that sleep is a big problem for me right now. And like, it's just sort of making me mad. It's making me mad. Well, I I just think coffee. Yeah. I just think that it's, it, it's something that, you know, as I'm thinking about it sort of in real time, this is what we do on this podcast. We don't prepare. We work it out in real life. We work it out in real time. And it suddenly occurs to me. I would love to see a survey, and I wonder if the PhD, uh, the doctor who did the study about sleep, asked these questions. How much tenderness is actually happening as people go to sleep? Yeah. You know, how much – are people really spooning for an extended period of time? Are they – are they making out in bed? Do they tenderly kiss each other on the forehead or on the lips before they go to bed? I mean, honestly, I think there's this romanticized idea of what actually it means to sleep together. Yeah. And in my life, it doesn't really mean that. We often go to bed at different times. Mm-hmm. I think most people, even if they are sleeping together, go to bed at different times. Right. So it's not this ideal of the, the marital bed being this center of the marital universe and tenderness and romance 
is so not true. So why can't we separate it out with without shame? Yeah. But I, I, I do think it's a really hard conversation to have. And I, I just, I think you approached it. You're right by saying, hey, I read this article. What do you think about this? Do I have a problem? What do I do? I mean, I know for me, I, apparently, I snore. I didn't believe it until my husband recorded me and played it on the air. Played it on the radio so much. Yeah. So much. So loud. Over and over Like a again. cow. I sounded like a cow. So why do you want to sleep? That would be my opening question is why do you even want to sleep with me? I wouldn't. Right. But it's difficult. It's difficult. I would also be interested in finding out if men want to sleep with women, this is heterosexual relationships, if men typically want to sleep with women more than women want to sleep with men, I would venture to say that there are many more women who would say, I want out of this room or yep. I want you to be out of this room than men who would say they want to be out of the room. And I think there's a couple of reasons. I think that, number one, I think men snore more. I think women sleep lighter, particularly yep. after yep. they've had kids. And then I think I think men might have this like attachment to the idea that if we're sleeping in the same bed, there might be more opportunity for sexual intimacy. That there's always potential. That there's always potential. But if Which that wasn't the out. case, it doesn't work out. Like if you can kind of let go of that and think about sexual intimacy as being different than that, I just think for most people it is then you can let go of that and you could actually really get some great sleep and be an empathetic, nice person. I am my worst when I have not had good sleep. And that's the point that I'm hitting here. I'm I'm hitting almost a year of terrible sleep. And it just makes you not the person that you want to be. Well, it's, it, it, it always feels to me when I'm, when I'm not getting the right amount of sleep, I just feel like I'm in permanent jet lag. Yeah. So I'm a little foggy. I'm a little fuzzy. I'm a little more impatient than normal. I'm, I just, I don't, I, I can't, I love the way you said it at the beginning of the podcast. Cause I think that's the truest way to look at it is I don't read signals well. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of that as a product of sleep deprivation, but of course it is. You're foggy. You're not, you're not looking at the nuances of what your partner's saying or what your kids are saying. So, but I, I, I don't know that we've given people the help they might need in that conversation. No. I think you gave no. them a start, therapist Elizabeth. <laughs> Thank you. But I don't know. I don't know that we've we've solved anything other than we will link up the article from Vox. And I do think it's a conversation that married couples should be having. And I would be interested. Again, I have one more question for that survey that I want that doctor to do. Which is, honestly, do most men want to sleep with their wives because they think that that raises the potential for sex? Because if that's the only thing that's keeping them in the marital bed through the snoring, through all of the agitation, through whatever, that's dumb. And there's a way to get around that. And I like that idea of uncoupling sleeping together with intimacy. And I think that's the, that's the great thing that the doctor's talking about because they and really should be dismantling. Yeah. Yeah. And dismantling what society says sleeping in the same bed means for your relationship. Yeah. Because guess what? Society doesn't get to dictate that. And it's dictating so many other things for us and it shouldn't get to dictate that. I don't know. Ask your girlfriends, would you rather be sleeping alone? Are you sleeping in the same bed? Let's have some real talk at your next happy hours and please report back. Hey, can, <laughs> do you know how to do an Instagram poll? Uh, yeah, I do. Could you send out an Instagram poll on that? For sure. 
I want to know. know. Doing. I'm really mm-hmm. curious. And Let's I could do it. I could probably figure out how to do an Instagram poll. Why don't I try and figure that out? You got enough on your plate. <laughs> you could, but I can do it. It's very easy. It's okay. very easy. All right. If you're enjoying this podcast and our discussion about how to do an Instagram poll, please subscribe <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. These ratings and reviews are muy importante. We very much appreciate it. Yes, muy importante. But I, this is a repeat. But it ties to uh, it ties to what we're going to be talking about on Thursday. So Jay Poplar had written, and I read it a couple of weeks ago. Great podcast, love this podcast. I'm currently bringing all of the, binging all of the episodes. Can't wait to hear about Elizabeth's garden prep this spring. So we're going to be talking about that in the nest this week. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest, or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.